Hello, welcome back to The Current. Happy summer season to my Northern Hemisphere folks. My name is Nadia. I'm your host. I'm your guide. Today is a beautiful and juicy conversation that is a long time coming. I am welcoming on a business mentor and coach, Kat Lee, today, and I'm actually doing a live human design reading for her. And this episode happened very spontaneously. I was doing a reading for Kat back in early, early spring. And she asked me at the time that we started recording the reading, because I record readings for clients who want to go back and listen. She was like, hey, do you want to do this as a podcast episode? And I was like, whoa, you would be up for that. And she generously offered. And I'm so excited that she did because you'll feel into her energy as soon as you as you hear her. She has a groundedness and a depth and a wisdom and an openness as well. She is really an open book and she shares so generously from her life experiences, her relationships, her work experiences, her family, her early family experiences. And I think that this is such an important episode to hear if you are interested in human design. Because even if you don't have all of the same aspects as Kat, hearing about human design in real life experiences is how you actually ground this information into practicality, into something that is useful and valuable and sustainable and long lasting in your life. So it really is the goal to not just share human design as a system of information, but a system of information that kickstarts reflection about lived experiences. It helps you reshape and reformulate the life that you've lived and then also empowers you to claim the life that you want the potentiality, the gifting that you have. And so as we are moving from cancer into Leo season, which is all about expression and allowing yourself to be seen, I hope that this episode today empowers you in some way. And I can't wait to hear what you think. So without further ado, here is Kat and I for a live human design reading, the first ever that I've published on The Current. Right, Kat, it feels amazing, amazing, amazing to have you here. Let's get your human design chart up and we will get going. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I've not had a reading before. I've had like guidebooks made, but first time I'm like sitting down and having somebody walk me through is you get to be my first. Yay. It feels really special because you have a very unique profile and chart, which we'll get into, but I think I'd like to start by just asking, how did you hear about human design? How long ago did you hear about it? Back when I was an acupuncturist, one of my coworkers got like super heavily into human design and she started telling me about the things that she was learning. And I mean, at that stage, all she could tell me was that I was a manifesting generator. And so I looked into it. I'm still not very heavily into it, but the main piece that I got away from it is I've always had so many pots on the go, like so many different things. And I've not taken a very linear course in really anything. And I feel like learning that I was a manifesting generator and having that like multi-passionate part of my chart as just part of that experience, I felt like it gave me permission to kind of just be myself. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it's been... It's been just a curiosity for the last couple of years now. 
Awesome. Yeah. I, that's typically what draws people into human design is hearing their energy type really resonating with it. But what's so cool is today we get to dive into all the nuanced facets of your life path, your gifts, your uh, how you make decisions, how you communicate, because there's so much more beyond being an MG. So let's get into it. Mm-hmm. I like to start every human design reading by just paying respect to the different cultural lineages that human design pulls from. So while the system has only been around since about the 80s, the systems that it draws from have been on our planet for centuries. So it's part Western astrology. It's part Chinese I Ching, the book of changes, which is the oldest divination tool on the planet, predating even tarot. It's part Hindu Brahmin chakra system, which are the wheels of energy that move through our body. And then it's finally part Jewish Kabbalah tree of life. Mm. And so based only on this moment, on June 12th in Los Angeles, human design creates this very unique energetic map of your body. So what we're looking at right now, which you've likely pulled up if you've been interested in human design, is your what's called a body graph. And where you see all of this color is where you have consistent access to cat energy. This is what you wake up with in the morning that you can reliably uh, and consistently rely upon. Mm. Whereas these white spaces around here are where you take in energy from the world around you. This is how you are receiving from this reading right now, from the clients that you work with, from the different events that you host, from your partner. There's so much energy that you feel. And what's cool, Kat, is that when I pulled up your chart, I was like, wow, how interesting that you have this circuit of energy running straight through the center of your body and Mm -hmm. the outer rims are all open. And for those Mm -hmm. listening, this is your crown, spleen, root, and solar plexus, basically the surrounding parts. So if you ever feel off center, it might be because energy sort of on the edges of your body are crowding what you know to be true in your inner self, your center. Mm. Yeah, that definitely resonates just in terms of like the path my life has taken. I feel like where I've gone off center is when I've started listening to what society tells me my career should look like, what you know, society tells me my relationships should look like. And, um, and when I just hone into my own intuition, I feel like, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's weird and a bit strange, I feel way more at home. Totally. Yes. And you do have, you have sort of an interesting profile. You're a five, two, which we'll get into more, but you have a very unique and, and individuated way of being in this world. And a lot of people are going to project onto you what it is that they want you to do with your gifts. So we'll get into that more, but but where we're going to go with this reading today is we're going to go through each of your different centers just to ground you in feeling what each of these energies means. And then we're going to spend a lot of time focusing on your gifts, your profile, your top four gifts or gates, and then your incarnation cross, which is your life path. And talking about how the work that you do today translates into the gifts that you have. And, and I think that you're living your purpose really beautifully. But I think hearing these gifts today will just reinforce and refocus you to continuously expand into the potential of what your chart shows. So any questions before we dive in? No, I'm excited. Let's do it. 
So starting at the very top, Kat, you have an open crown. The crown is the triangle at the very top of the chart. And your crown is responsible for inspiration, new ideas, questions, asking, what did that experience mean? What's the meaning of life? Where are we going? You have what's called a fully open crown, meaning there's not a single gate or gift connected here. That just means that you are very, very designed to be sort of open to inspiration outside of yourself. And it will feel good sometimes to taste test different ideas and different ways of thinking about things through podcasts. It's amazing that you host your own podcast because this is great for your open crown. It's bringing on new guests and taste testing and sampling. However, there is too much of a good thing. And having such an open crown means that you really need to lean into or, or trust your body when it feels good to expand yourself into new ideas. And when you need to shut down, close the door for a bit and just be with your own ideas for a bit. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting because I've always put that in terms of I'm like, I need another person to process with. So like if I'm going through some sort of challenge in life, I'll usually call up one of my besties and I need to like actually talk it out with a person. Contrast that to my husband who needs like internal time. Mm-hmm. I feel like to like get really clear with his feelings. Like I don't know how to do that as well. I can do that, but it doesn't feel quite as natural. And that piece that you said about to me, I sort of translate that as discernment like last year, I actually took like an entire year hiatus of like not listening to any more podcasts and books. And like, like I was just always like a consumer of like nonfiction writing around spirituality and, you know, what have you. And last year I hit some sort of like consumption wall and I was just like, I need to just step away from this. And I didn't know when it was going to end. And it ended up being about a full year that I stopped consuming other people's content so that I could get really clear with my own just stuff, you know, your own message, because you do have a very clear and evolving, but, but you have a fixed perspective that you are here to share with the world. And that we can see from the first center that is defined, which is your Ajna. It's the second triangle on the body graph and yours is defined. It's your third eye. It's the point between your eyebrows. And having this defined cat means that you do have a unique cat way of seeing things. And it's meant to be very individuated, very differentiated. You might find that you have thoughts sometimes or like, has anyone thought like this before? You have this channel that connects your Ajna to your throat and you have a defined throat, which means that you have a consistent way of speaking as well. You can reliably access your voice. That means that if you have a day of client calls that feel really nourishing and fulfilling for you, you're not going to run out of the energy to speak. In fact, it's important for you to recognize that there are people on this planet who don't have consistent energy (laughs) to speak. I have it too. And that's why I love podcasting. That's why I love human design readings. But I can see from this channel, which is the two gates that connect these two centers and light it up. I can see from the channel that you have what it is that you're consistently thinking about. And this channel is, is very cool. It's called the Freak to Genius channel. Basically, you have a very individuated an innovative and almost futuristic way of seeing how the world could work. Mm. You have a way of taking things that other people take for granted, like this is the way that we've always done it. 
and you have a way of actually shifting things around. Like what if you just tried doing it a little bit differently or if you tried Mm -hmm. doing it this way? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this also might be what comes through when you work with clients where they bring you an issue and they're like, this is what's happening. And you're like, well, have you just tried that subtle tweak? And they're like, I never thought of it that way before. And then Mm -hmm. it shifts the entire problem into a solution. Does that make does that make sense to you? Does that resonate? It does resonate. I actually had a call last night with a client and it's like something that she's been like really struggling with for like seven years and just has struggled to talk about it. And at the end of her telling her story, I feel like all I did and and this is where I sort of get caught up in like on my hard days when I'm feeling a bit insecure, like, am I allowed to charge for what I do? Because it just comes naturally. Like she told me her story and I was just able to sort of reflect back the key pieces I felt like were running through her story. And that sort of shifted the dynamic of how she was even looking at her story, if that makes sense at all. Yes. Um, And so, yeah, I do sometimes feel like that's my superpower and like I'm I'm willing to own it but I feel like just because I'm human as we all are like there are some days where I'm like am I allowed to <laughs> am I allowed to charge for this like this seems like <laughs> this seems wild that I get paid to do this I just love listening to people's stories and helping them find the pattern through and I think that that piece that you were saying about the freak to genius Like to me, like that's why I feel so passionate about my work is, you know, ultimately like it comes down to like the individual level of like helping people heal their traumas around business. But like I see so much trauma in business and like specifically around the toxicity of capitalism. And it's like if we can get right with our nervous systems so that we aren't participating, I think that we can't do like a full 180 shift around capitalism overnight. But I think that if we can stop participating in ways that are dysregulating and as entrepreneurs, there are so many decisions people make that is out of dysregulation. I don't know what it's going to look like at the end of the day when it comes to business and how entrepreneurs like relate to business. But I do know that it's going to be better if we can be regulated around business, you know, And so then we can start taking and untangling the pieces around capitalism that feels extractive and manipulative and coercive. And we can sort of start to look at things from like a community minded and commerce way that is actually healing for the collective versus like just I need to make money off of this next person. Absolutely. Kat, you are perfectly exemplifying this Freak to Genius channel because what you're just (laughs) saying right now there are going to be some people in your life or some people that you speak, you know, and, and hear you speak about something like this. And they're going to say, what are you even talking about? Yeah. But there are some people who are on your wavelength, who have invited you in clients who recognize you, who see you, who will be able to hear what you're saying and say, this is absolutely brilliant. And I've never heard someone talk about it that way before. Mm-hmm. Those are my weirdos. Yes. <laughs> and, and, but it's not even weird. It's, it's more, um, people who can travel, who can do space travel with you because that's mm. what you're sort of astral traveling into a not so distant future that is possible. Mm. It's an incredibly powerful gift. And to, to recognize that there are going to be some people who cannot hear what you have to say 
will save a lot of people with this freak to genius, this gate 23 to 43 channel, some, some time, because you're not meant to measure how powerful your message is based on the first few people who are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. You're meant to hold the vision within yourself and say, I know that you don't know because you can't, you don't have that vision. You're too preoccupied with how things are that you can't see how things can be. Does that make Mm. sense? Yeah. And just on sort of like the technicality level, the 43 to 23, do those relate to the I Ching hexagrams? Absolutely. And I love, love, love that you're this deep into, and and you know the I Ching, Um, you're familiar with it. Yeah. I mean, my background is as an acupuncturist and, you know, our medicine has drawn a lot from Taoist texts. And actually I feel like, like my spiritual practice is Taoism, but I feel like as an acupuncturist, I got like a little taste of it, but it was a mutated version of Taoist medicine. And ironically, now I feel like I'm better able to practice Taoist medicine now as a coach versus when it seemed like more of a clear straight shot as an acupuncturist. So yeah, I I will definitely be revisiting these old friends, 43 and 23. Yes. And and chatting with them. It's it's so cool because there are 64 hexagrams in the I Ching and they correspond Mm -hmm. with the 64 gates in human design. It's where Mm -hmm. human design pulls the gates from. And basically these gates, if you can see the numbers on the right and the left of your body graph, each of these numbers are where the planets were at the moment that you were born are the numbers on the right in black and where the planets were 88 days prior to when you were born. So it's like these two moments that were really uh, formative in terms of creating your, there there were energetic imprints left at those moments. Mm -hmm. And hearing that some people might be like, okay, that's a little out there. That's a little woo. And, And to that, I say, there's nothing for you to believe in here. Just read about these different energetic imprints and see how they land for you. Do you resonate with you know, the 4323 ability to break apart ways of old old ways of doing things to move us into a new future. It's Mm -hmm. really just a system to me of like introspection and inner Mm -hmm. inquiry. Mm -hmm. Why 88 days? It's a great question. So 88 days, according to human design is the moment during which your soul came into contact with your body. And there's this Mm -hmm. moment in utero uh, which sounds really wacky to say out loud, but it's, we are all souls. If if you believe that we are all spiritual beings, having a human experience coming into these human vessels and human design says, okay, 88 days before is when your soul merged with your body. And that created your body's imprint. Mm. Whereas the moment of your birth was more of like your personality imprint of who you're meant to be in the world. So 88 days would have been about 12 weeks. I had to do the math on my calculator here. About 12 weeks before you're born, which puts most folks right around like 30 weeks of pregnancy. And I know that just from the like nervous system and trauma work that I've, I've you know, been a student of, they say that your brainwaves start functioning at like the delta and gamma levels in the third trimester i feel like trauma imprint is is too strong of a word there but like like what you experience in in the last trimester like matters you know both on the good and the bad side 
it's just really interesting to think about, you know, that last trimester being sort of like the, the soul start or this, um, when you were starting to really receive energy and how that imprinted on you, whether that's planetary energy or your parents' energy or the environment that your, um, you know, womb carrier (laughs) was in, Mm -hmm. but what I'll say you're too, because we're kind of hopping around here, but your two energies most prominently that you were imprinted with at that moment for you was this ability to navigate crisis and help others navigate crisis moments of Mm -hmm. emotional turbulence, really Mm -hmm. holding the hope that when things feel the most challenging or difficult, there is dawn that's just about to break on the other end and being able to sit with people in moments of difficulty and challenge and not breaking a sweat. Actually, my husband and I were talking about this the other day because he and I, I would be curious to see what his chart looks like because we both come from pretty tumultuous families, lots of high moments of, of life and death type crises you know, I can look at that and be like, oh, yeah, I can be a victim of my family circumstances. Or like, it's also given me this really beautiful muscle so that like anybody can tell me anything and it really doesn't phase me that much. You know, there's so many times when a client will come to me and be like, I'm scared that if I tell you this, it's going to it's going to be too much for you. I mean, I've been doing this work for 12, no, 14 years now. And, you know, certainly there's aspects of my work that are really difficult and I have to do my own self-care and nervous system regulation afterwards. But I don't think anybody's ever told me anything. And I've been like, Ooh, that was way too much. Like it's, it's almost always a response of, okay. And then what happened? And again, it's one of those things where I'm like, on my more rough days, I'm like, am I allowed to charge for this? Cause that's just, that's just a part of, of who I am. You know, you are bringing up so many beautiful ways of talking about the gate of crisis, which is, you know, this is difficult. And, and what, what are you learning? How are you experiencing humanity through this? It's, it's not a part of humanity that you want to look away from. It's a part of humanity that you welcome as part of the mm. full spectrum of the human. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. And what's cool is that this energy actually takes place place during Pisces season and we're in Pisces season. So your 88 days prior to when you're born is taking place in just a week or so. Mm, so we're, we're in this energy right now. There's a lot of emotional energy in Pisces and most of the gates that are, that take place in Pisces um, are very emotional, but mm-hmm. then you keep saying this point about, am I allowed to pay for this? <laughs> And it's such an amazing question to ask as a manifesting generator, because you have all of this energy as an MG available to you to build and create. And yet when you really choose work that is aligned with your gifts that we're talking about right now, it will feel so easeful and so life-giving to you. Such like you don't even break a sweat sort of work. Yeah. That it will feel like you've almost cheated the system. Like you're looking over your shoulder, like, is somebody going to like, tattle on me and be like, this isn't hard enough. You're not working hard enough. And that's how I want to empower all generators and manifesting generators to realize that when you follow your design, it's like, it will feel so life-giving. Yeah. I feel like that in and of itself lands like a permission slip because I think I looked at my parents who were immigrants to the States and they worked so fucking hard, you know? 
And they were able to bring, you know, our family out of poverty and into a really comfortable life, I want to say, um, financially. And there's also like an aspect of me that's like, I would be doing this work even if I won the lottery. This is like the stuff that I would want to be talking about, even if people weren't paying me. The fact that I get paid is just like, I feel like I've cheated the system, like you said. (laughs) And I'm so happy that you're bringing money into the conversation, Kat, because money is a big part of your chart. Mm -hmm. Finances and financial stability and um, education is a big part of what you're here to speak about and share about. And I can see that because this Gemini energy that you're born under at gate 45, you know that you're a Gemini sun likely in Mm -hmm. astrology, but the specific flavor of that Gemini sun is gate 45 or the I Ching hexagram 45. Mm -hmm. And this gate is all about gathering people together in order to bring them into education, uh, financial awareness, education, prosperity, you want to pull people's resources and really be in a place of leadership to say, this is where the, the resources will go so that everybody prospers, so that everybody mm-hmm. is successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that mean something to you to hear? That feels like you've just summed up my program. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I run a, a, a program called Business Alchemist Mentorship. And like the draw in is because people are struggling in their businesses, but like ultimately what it comes down to is like, can we heal like your relationship to traumas and can we heal a lot of people come in with money wounds, you know, like, am I allowed to even make money doing this thing that I do? Am I allowed to like, there's so many ways in which people get caught up about money and if we can just peel away the projections that we have on money we can actually start to use it and play with it as like a tool rather than having all this heaviness around it and having it mean things like attention and affection and the love that we didn't receive as kids um i think that there's a way in which to participate with money that can feel ultimately really clean and reciprocal. And like, we're able to cycle like through our communities, but I mean, there's obviously ways in which our culture has, has changed that dynamic. And I think that ultimately there are few people who benefit from that dynamic, which is why it still is the culture that we live in. Yeah. I mean, the people who are, in my programs and in the things that I teach, this is what we talk about. You know, it's kind of the hard gritty stuff that nobody wants to look at. And yet you are so built for the hard gritty stuff that nobody wants to look at because (laughs) we're just going through your top four gifts right now. But I think that it's, it's, you're segueing so beautifully into it that another big piece of your energy is called the gate of friction or conflict. Mm. And so you have the gift of being able to move in and through situations that are really tense or difficult. Mm. You have the ability also to create healthy friction between yourself and other people to recognize who are the people that are actually going to be let into my sphere? Mm. Um, Who are the people that are worthwhile to work with and to partner with and to collaborate Mm. with? Mm -hmm. And 
you don't shy away from a difficult conversation. In fact, you're designed to go into it. You, you kind of love it because you know that there's this level of bonding and intimacy on the other end of, oh, that's what that misunderstanding was. And yeah. here's what you were feeling and here's what you were feeling. And let's just talk about it because you, Kat, can feel it either way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, because before we hit record, I was just sharing with you that I created friction in my in my relationship with my husband this week. And I'm wondering because like on the left-hand side, there is the crisis and the conflict dynamic. And you were just saying that I'm about to go into the 88 days prior to when I was born. And there's like an aspect of me. I'm wondering if like there's some part of my constitution that doesn't like being in a state of just like calm and peace. Like I actually crave that. And I also have to find healthy ways for that to express itself. Otherwise, I feel like I do this thing where I like, I, when I was younger, I would call it self-sabotage. It doesn't feel like self-sabotage. It feels more like, oh, shit is easy. And I'm not used to easy. And so I sometimes have to like throw this random bomb in the middle of things that feel peaceful. (laughs) And like, I was just telling you, I was like, I don't know why I did that thing. Like I was such a dick to my husband this week. And like, usually I can sort of sit with that introspection and be like, oh, this is why I felt threatened. Or this is why, you know, I took offense to X, Y, and Z and then had to say it in this harsh way. But like, I've been sitting with this for the last couple of days and being like, why was I so mean to him for like no reason at all? And I'm, I'm wondering if there's, there's an aspect of this where like, I don't feel like I'm in crisis. I don't feel like I'm in conflict. And so like, I'm going to make that. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God, Kat, this is such a, an insight. This is so, so, so such a like breakthrough. I feel like because (laughs) There are, there are a couple of points that I want to touch on. The first is that human design doesn't speak to trauma that one has experienced. And in human design language, we often call it conditioning, things that brought you away from your center, things that dysregulated you. And so there are certainly perhaps conflicts or trauma that you might be used to based on your upbringing or generational patterns that your body inherited through your, through your familial lineage. lineage. Mm-hmm. So coming into healthy conflict might be a journey. That said, you are designed to be always in conflict and helping people move in and through it. So when things feel very peaceful, there's this part of your energy that feels unused or unspent. And Mm. so, you know, in my chart, as an example, I'm always here catalyzing growth experiences for people and helping them see the patterns that they're stuck in and moving forward. So my Mm. partner would always, before I became a therapist, he's like, stop therapizing me. Like, this isn't, this isn't a trauma. Like I'm, I'm, this isn't a childhood wound. I'm just mad. You didn't put away the dishes and we're I'm like <laughs> trying to unpack it all. So I'm just drawing that parallel for you where it's like, you are meant to be in and through crisis situations with people and coaching them through that. So perhaps in your relationship, it's, it's seeping in if you're not doing enough of that work professionally. Mm, interesting because I've actually just because the way that my business has grown in the last year, I've started stepping away from doing one-on-one work. And I hired a coach who works within my programs to do more of that one-on-one work. And so that I can be spending my time creating curriculum and content and coaching groups. And 
there is a part of me that that misses that in a way. Like I have a handful of one-on-one clients now, but they're mostly like my old clients who I've been with for years and years and years. And so like I continue to to support them. But there's something here that I'm not quite sure if I'm able to digest it in the next like couple minutes, but like like that sense of like missing the one-on-ones. I wonder if it's because I'm missing this piece of like, you know, helping people through conflict and crisis. Conflict resolution. And this is another part of your human design, which I just want to touch on that you are designed as a fifth line. You are a a five, two profile and Uh fifth lines don't always love just one-on-one solutions. They want one to many solutions. You want to find a universalized course or speaking engagement that will touch people on a one to many basis. Mm. That said, the the conflict resolution, I I'm almost envisioning maybe like a group where everybody's able to come and you know somebody get, comes in the hot seat with a crisis that they're moving through and and there's yeah. sort of like a resolution that's being resolved in the real time. And I'm just giving that to you to respond to as a manifesting generator. You have to respond to things. It might be yeah. something else. And I mean that's exactly how my group calls work is. Like essentially we go through and we process like essentially it's like a one-on-one, but just being witnessed by a group. And then oftentimes I'll bring in the energy of the group to help support the person in the hot seat. But there's also a level of some folks, like I'm, I'm an open book. Like I can come onto a group call and I can just talk about whatever it is that's on my heart, but understandably some people are not like that. And so I'm finding that there's a level of intimacy that can be found in a group that can't be found in a one-on-one, but then there's also a level of intimacy that can be found in a one-on-one that can't be found in a group. And so there might be something there to play with in terms of my own energy of like, how much time do I devote to group versus how much time do I devote to like taking on new one-on-one clients and what can that look like? you are very much in the lane that you're supposed to be in, at least for this season of life. Like you are using all of your gifts. Mm. You're really just experimenting with the right balance of everything to know what will feel the best. But I work with a lot of people when they first see their gifts, they're like, I am in the wrong industry. (laughs) Like Mm. I am not using any of these talents that I have. I'm only using it in my relationship. And that's where things really start to to bleed out. So Mm. it's really cool, Kat, that you've already found this niche that satisfies all the boxes. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. I talk about your last of the top four gifts to yes. see how it lands for you? So the last one is your conscious earth for human design nerds out there. It's your on your right side. It's what you're consciously aware of. And it's how you use that gift of being the gatherer. It's how you contribute it through the world. And yours is gate 26, which is the gate of the marketer or the gate of the egoist. There is a part of you that's really good at persuading. Mm. You know, when you really believe in what it is that you're talking about, that you'll get someone to pay attention and understand the value. Does that make sense for your work? Yeah, Yeah. I love marketing. (laughs) It's like I can nerd out about marketing for so long. And again, it's not like marketing in the like, let's figure out a pain point and just like twist the knife and, you know, like I really think about marketing as being a vehicle to inspire action in people. And that action oftentimes 
looks like come buy this product. But I feel like when I'm marketing, it's, it's the energy that I hold when I'm on a call with somebody. It's like, can you look at this problem that's happening in your life and understand it and process it and create some form of action to pull you out of it? Like to me, that's still marketing. When I'm creating content, it's like, let's outline what the problem is. Let's figure out and understand what's the underlying cause of that problem. And then like, can I, you know, illustrate an, a, a, an outcome that can come from that. Like for a very long time, I used to have some shame around this part just because the way that people think of marketing is like that sleazy, slimy used car salesman type of energy. And no, there's a lot of care that goes into marketing and it can be done in ethical ways. And it can be done in ways that serves the person that you're speaking to. So yeah, that's, that feels like a bit of like an integrated shadow that is really just fun for me to play with now. Yes. I love that you said that it's an integrated shadow because each of these gifts has a shadow side and the shadow side for the gate of the marketer is persuading people for the sake of it. Or like that you will use car salesman energy of I'll just sell anything to to make a buck. But in integrity, in its highest expression, the gate of the marketer is exactly what you said, which is marketing as it exists on this planet right now is not an integrity. And I'm going to persuade and sell things of value in creative, interesting, and attention-grabbing ways. And teach other people to do the same, because I think that there's a lot of unintegrated shadows around marketing. My audience tends to be in the healing arts professions. And so like in order for you to actually put your gifts out there, like you gotta sell something, (laughs) you know, and you've got to feel like you are being nourished by the work as well. It can't just be like a one-way street of like overgiving and then you fall into a pit of resentment. Like I, I want the medicine that people have within themselves to be shared and like marketing is the vehicle to that and it can be done in an ethical way. I think part of why marketing gets such a bad reputation is that the places where we sell can sometimes feel a bit icky. Like I think mm-hmm. of social media and Instagram sometimes like a like a casino and I'm just trying to set up my little table with crystals and like nice things <laughs> in like the middle of this like Vegas casino. And I'm like, what am I doing here? Why are all these neon lights around yeah. me? But just to bring this back to your gifts, the gate of the gatherer, this financial educator, prosperity maker, bringer together of people, you channel that gift through helping people market themselves and also modeling integrated marketing. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very much, it feels all tied together, these, these yes. four. And then the crisis and conflict, apparently I'm still working through that shadow and I could be nicer to my husband. <laughs> If he listens to this, he'll be very grateful for this reading. (laughs) No, but I I think that it's healthy and helpful for you to recognize that this energy exists within you. And if you're not using it, it's going to get a little stir crazy. So -hmm. starting to pay attention to where am I creating conflict and how can I actually invite in folks that want me to help them navigate in and through conflict rather than it kind of leaking, energetically leaking. Yeah. Okay. So we have two paths and I'm going to give this to you to respond to because you are a sacral manifesting generator, meaning you are gut-based. You need things outside of yourself options to be like that or that, that, not that. 
So two options to move forward. One is to talk about how these four gifts weave together into your unique life path. Mm -hmm. The other is to continue moving our way through the center is to ground you in how your energy feels in your body. The second. Awesome. So we talked about your defined Ajna, having a fixed way of viewing the world and everyone listening just heard the many different ways in which you think about conflict and money and marketing. And it was really beautiful to witness and unique and individuated. It's connected to your defined throat. You will always have energy to speak when you feel passionately about it. And that throat energy is also connected to your defined heart. The heart motor in human design. And and when I say motor, I mean, it gives you energy to work on things and to build things and create things. The heart is responsible for motivation, willpower, accountability, and self-esteem. You build your heart strength through healthy competition with yourself, through setting stretch goals and saying, all right, let's see if we can do this by agreeing to do something and making good on your promise and delivering something excellent by going out there and and competing against other people to see what you're made of. And your sense of self and self-esteem comes from looking back at the things that you pushed yourself into and through and saying, if I can do that, I can do the next thing, like bring it on. Because you have a very defined heart. You have three of the four gates in the heart center defined. So there's a lot of this heart energy that's continuing to motivate you. And and you should just continuously ask yourself, is my heart in this right now? Mm-hmm. Do I feel motivated to bring this thing across the finish line? Because the heart isn't a motor that's on all the time. It really kicks in at the last mile of a marathon. It's like your backup mm-hmm. generator that will like, you'll stay up as late as you need to in order to make the project excellent. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. And that is kind of like another way that I think that that shows up in my life is I need pressure. Like I'm not the kind of person that does well when it's like, Oh, well that thing will come out when it comes out. Like, like I actually need the pressure. And like when I was in school, I feel like I artificially created that pressure by like not doing the assignment until the like last moment that it needs to be done. And like, that was just how I worked best is I knew that if, if I give myself three months to finish a project, it's just, it's just not going to get done until the last week of that month. And then I know how to like turn that motor on. And I just kind of assumed that was like my manifesting generator energy of like, like, okay, it's go time, you know? Totally. It's funny because now we're getting a little bit into your undefined root, which is at Mm -hmm. the very bottom of the chart sits at the base of your spine the root is responsible for the starting energy. Like, let's get this started. Let's, you know, I have a deadline in three months. Let's just get it started now. Let's get up and go. It's like, this. <laughs> it's, like <laughs> it's undefined for you. You don't have that sort of defined pressure or stress that you put on yourself. Mm-hmm. You are designed with this open route to do things in your own timing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And with a defined heart, when there's motivation finally to do it, because the deadline's staring you in the face, it's like, this heart energy will kick in. It's like, I'll pull an all-nighter if I have to. Mm-hmm. You might yeah. not because you probably have healthy sleep hygiene, but it's that kind of energy of like, I'm going to get this done and I'm going to do it well. Yeah. And it's interesting sort of thinking about the people that I collaborate with. I'm like in the middle of a collaboration with a friend of mine to put out a, a course about conscious marketing and she's a reflector. 
and I'm not quite sure what her like sacral defined and, and all that stuff is, but for her energy, like she needed for us to like get started. Like, so we like planned out, you know, five weeks of doing video recordings because she sort of needs that. If it had been like my preference, you know, I would have just waited till like the last week before it needs to be done and just boom, 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 put it all out at the same time. But I am able to sort of adapt to that root energy that you were talking about, the like, let's get started energy if somebody else needs it. But I will never do that for myself. Like, that's just not how I I work. A hundred percent. I often coach people with an undefined root, like tell people, give me a deadline when you need something, because otherwise it might not get done or it might not get done when you need it. Like if you need something by a specific time, give me a heads up. Mm-hmm. there's nothing more stressful to an undefined route. Like you're, you have your day or your week planned and somebody comes out of nowhere and says, there's a deadline due right now, or we need to go to the, to the airport right now. And you don't have time to pack. Like that stress can sometimes feel healthy. Like, okay, I'm going to get this thing done now. And it can sometimes feel really unhealthy. Like yeah. this stress is not mine right now. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. take it on and amplify it within your open center. Yeah. I mean, that all makes sense. Even like packing to go on like big trips, I will do it on the day of. <laughs> yeah. So moving back to your defined heart connected to your throat, you have what's called the channel of money. And this is where I'm saying like, there's a lot of financial themes in your chart. The channel <laughs> of money, when people hear this, they're like, oh, am I going to be like insanely wealthy? And that's not necessarily, you know, written in the stars, though. If you want it, if your heart is in being insanely wealthy, you certainly have the energy to go after it. Mm-hmm. It's that what really motivates you is being in control of your own life. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs that have this channel where like my heart's energy is in not having a boss, not having somebody telling me what to do, being the only one who's in charge of my own thing. Of, uh, and I'm not sure if you resonate with this cat, but like making money as a vehicle for freedom and yeah. liberation and choice. Yes. Yeah. Does that land? Absolutely. That lands. And it's, it's one of the main reasons why I stepped away from acupuncture is um, I was working for somebody. I started my own practice. Interesting. Cause I hated marketing so much that I sold that practice and then moved to Vancouver, British Columbia, where I joined uh, somebody else's practice. And I started realizing, oh, there's actually a cap on this. And that cap is just in how much more can I work? How many more hours can I put into this job? And I was already starting to feel crunched in terms of like my time and energetic resources and feeling like I'm working 60 hours this week. I can't cook my own food this week. you know. So I'm going to go out and buy food all week, which then means that like I'm using all that money that I've now sort of generated, but it's just not really being used in, in really healthy ways. And so I started realizing, oh, I need to not be working for somebody else if I actually want to feel free. And that was like a really huge motivator for me to, to step away from acupuncture. And you can rely upon this energy, this innate motivation to be in control of your own life to also supercharge the people around you. Mm -hmm. So you might find that as you work with clients that all of a sudden they're recognizing, wow, there is so much more that I want from my life, but I was shackled by the notion that I needed somebody else to tell me what to do. 
Yeah. And that's also what your clients are receiving from you. So in these open centers, this is how you can feel your clients. But with these defined centers, this is how your clients get supercharged by your energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So money is a theme, but always in service to being <laughs> to being in control, basically. Yeah. Not having anyone else tell you what to wear, where to eat, what to do with your life. Yeah. I mean, you're hitting on all the pain points of my last job. It's like <laughs> everything was defined <laughs> and like in very strict, narrow ways. And, you know, I love that. I literally, I wake up in my pajamas and hop on client calls. And sometimes if I feel like it, I'll take client calls in bed, you know, and I get to eat when I want to eat. I get to cook the things that I want to eat. Like there's, there's so much about it that like, like felt really restrictive on my, my time. Yes. And you'll feel your heart kind of like, as you speak about that, there's, you can feel your heart motor where it's like, yeah, like it's like the revved up engine of like, don't, and don't try to get in the way of what I'm trying to wear. And, and so that job gave you something to respond to where it was like, your gut was saying, this is not it. In fact, I'm going to do the opposite of this and what I build next. Yeah. So MGs that are listening and they're like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in that job right now, or I'm being told what to do. And it's really extremely frustrating for me. I feel like an energetic dead end. Just recognize that that's important information as well. Yeah. So moving on. So this first section of energy that you have, your Ajna, your third eye is connected to your throat, your communication, which is connected to your heart and your motivation, willpower, and ability to, to follow through. Mm-hmm. That's one section. And you have what's called a split in human design. Your energy has two different sections that aren't necessarily connected. And so it'll be interesting for you to pull up your husband's chart and see if there are any connection points, even with clients too. It's kind of fun to see what do I fill in for this person? What do they fill in for me? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fun aspect of human design that that people get into. So mm-hmm. this next section of energy that you have is very powerful it connects your sense of self, your identity, your G center, which is in the center of your chest, to your sacral motor, your gut, your life force energy, the battery that you have to rely upon each day to build and create and do client calls and do this and have many different, you know, hands in different lanes. And you have a very when I say you have a very powerful connection here, you have two channels that are running between your identity center and your sacral. And what that means at a high level is that you have a lot of energy when what you're doing makes you feel like you, when it is in service of your individuated self-expression and your identity in this world. It's like, yes, yes, more of this, more of this, more of this. Like you want to make an individuated mark in the work that you do. Mm. And it's, it's cool because whenever you feel like your energy is waning, ask yourself, does this still feel like me? Or is my sense of identity shifting me? Is my direction, my compass shifting me somewhere else? Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Let me pause there. How does that land for you? It makes sense. And there's also like an aspect of it where I struggle with that identity piece because it's like, I feel like I've been so many different identities and I'm on this like process of releasing, you know, like anytime I feel like any sort of like attachment to anything, I'm sort of like, Ooh, would I still be myself if I didn't have that? So like if the, the business went away tomorrow, like, do I still feel that like core sense of who I am, you know? And 
And so I'm kind of curious, like, do these, I'm not quite sure what my question is here other than like, like that feels like more of a challenge point at this moment rather than like a, Ooh, like that resonates like all the other things that you've said, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Absolutely. So said in a different way, you've become over-identified perhaps with a business, a relationship, a job title that you're going through the process of really coming into like this core truth of who it is that you are in spite of, or outside of the titles that you've held. Yeah. Yeah. That's right where it is. Cause it's like, you know, back when I was an acupuncturist, I feel like I really had so much pride around that identity. And, you know, we just talked about why I had to step away from being an acupuncturist, but also part of that story is like, it was ripped away from me, you know, because in 2020, I could no longer be an acupuncturist. And so like that process was such a difficult process to like, even come to terms with, you know, and I'm trying to think of like all the other ways in which I've like maybe over identified in my life of, you know, before I was married to my current husband, I was married to another man. And I feel like I clung to that identity for such a long time that it led to a pattern of self-betrayal in that relationship, you know, and then like another identity, I feel like I felt really strongly attached to was I used to play roller derby and was really connected to that aspect of myself. And again, like that feels like another thing that got ripped away from me because some injuries could no longer perform in the ways that I like really wanted to. And I also was afraid of hurting myself again. And like, there's almost this like push pull dynamic of what's that space being of being able to be proud of what I do and who I am. And then when does it swing over to the unhealthy side of maybe this isn't serving me anymore and I need to let it go, but I don't know how to let it go. Right. And then, and then universe in a lot of major ways in my life has come in and been like, Oh, you don't have a choice anymore. Like you just like (laughs) you're, I'm going to rip that thing away from you. You're bringing up so many points that I hate to be like, it's all in the chart. It's not all in the chart. You are an individuated person outside of human design, but there are so many reinforcing points to what you're saying. One, having a defined identity doesn't mean that it's easy. It means it's a constant exploration of, does this still feel like me? But it will constantly be something that you can drop into and be like, is this me or not? Even if you betrayed that sense of self throughout seasons, you're also talking about being a manifesting generator, which is that you are not singularly defined. And as soon as you get too singularly defined as an acupuncturist, as a a coach, as whatever it is, then you lose the spark and the life force energy. You have to be constantly dancing between the spice blend of interests and activities that makes you, you. Mm. And then there's another piece that you're talking about. You have an undefined spleen. And the spleen is responsible for survival instinct, the health and the well-being of the organism. You can very quickly pick up on if somebody else is healthy or not, the health of their body. Being an acupuncturist, this likely helped you so much. But to Mm -hmm. have that receptivity means that you don't necessarily always know what is healthy or not for your own organism. Mm. 
And so a hallmark of having an undefined spleen is staying in relationships that are no longer serving you, staying Mm -hmm. in relationships with substances that are no longer serving you, foods that are no longer serving you, not, especially in younger years, not quite having a reliable, you know, alarm bell to say, this isn't healthy for your body anymore. Get out. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. perhaps having these sort of divine interventions from the universe that are like, we're going to close this door for you. Yeah. And like, certainly like looking back on those experiences as hard and as, you know, difficult as they were, I also see the wisdom in needing to step away from it. You know, I probably would have stayed in that acupuncture job for like way, way longer had I not been forced by quarantine to step away from, from that job. And, and also part of that story is that universe has always had my back in it specifically when it came to that transition between being an acupuncturist and a coach, you know, I was living in Canada at the time and the Canadian government gave each citizen a stipend of $2,000 a month. And that meant that while there was no more money coming in as an acupuncturist, I had the ability to pay my bills, pay my rent, make sure that I can eat. And that was kind of the runway that I needed to, to really get my coaching career started. My ego loves to, to fight with the universe and just like have these like yelling matches. But ultimately I've had enough experiences. I feel like where sometimes it takes time, but like it's, it's had my back. (laughs) Absolutely. That's so beautiful, Kat. Mm. I do want to talk briefly about these two channels that you have that connect your identity to your sacral. And I hope it sparks something within you, but this is what makes you a responder. And and what that means is that you're always responding to the world around you. You're responding to a, a new client inquiry. You're responding to a business collaboration. You're responding to a meal in, you know, reading a menu and having the wait staff come over and say, these are the specials. You are constantly meant to drop into your body, into your gut and feel does this give me a spark of excitement or energy or does this deflate me in some way? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if it deflates you, that means that it's either not right now and you need to give yourself more time. So the divine timing is in your gut, literally, or it's a complete no, like you, you are meant and designed to step away from that thing. Yeah. So the two channels that you have that are connected here are this 15-5 channel, which is all about finding um, the flow, your creative flow. Sometimes that's in really strict habits and really being able to to be in your habits every day and having a routine. And sometimes your flow is in just kind of spontaneity and figuring out like there's a random thing that I want to do today that, but you're always seeking that sort of creative and work flow state where things are just Mm -hmm. moving. Have you felt that before? Yeah. And in... My Dallas medicine training and in my like acupuncture training, like I'm defined as a wood element type. And I feel like this is the like constant battle of, of wood people is like that wanting to find that creativity, not being able to find it. Like, it's just always this sort of like, like dance, I suppose. And and I think that for myself, and I'm not quite sure how it is for other people with this particular channel, but for myself, like I actually don't do well with, with bound, like routines. I need to just 
allow it to be. And sometimes like that means I'm going for a walk and then getting a spark and like writing down a word in my phone so that I can then go back home and write about it. Like it's, I feel like my muse is, is very hard to pin down sometimes. The way you just described this 15-5 channel, I hope for anyone listening who has this channel that they are really able to, because it's just energy. What we're describing this entire time, this reading, is just like how it feels in your body. But I feel like you gave such poetic words to this escapable creative muse that you're constantly working and and creatively trying to find. My muse is a bit cheeky, I think. (laughs) But when you get into that groove, it will feel so nourishing. There will be this sort of like well of, it's like, it's like you're constantly tapping the ground for different sources of groundwater. And so it's this constant search for the creative wellspring that exists within you. So the next channel that you have is very individuated again. And it's all about uh, marching to the beat of your own drum, having a very individualistic way of transforming things. It's the two to 14 channel. You are somewhat of an alchemist. You can take a failing project, a failing business, and you know innately how to turn things around for them to be more successful. And this is yet another financial theme that exists within your chart of not knowing how you know, but it's like, if you just do this, this, and this, it's going to be more successful and will yield a lot of prosperous outcomes. Yeah. Not so subtle plug. This is like what I do for a living. (laughs) (laughs) I look at people's businesses and I help them figure out what's not working and what's working for them. Yeah. And it is innately how you are. And, and really a lot of creativity exists here too. Like you want to create a more beautiful world. Mm -hmm. You want the world around you to be more aesthetically beautiful in, in the ventures that exist. So that's a a big motivator as well. Mm -hmm. So we have only one center that we haven't talked about, Kat, and that is also undefined. And that is your solar plexus, meaning you are open to other people's emotions. And you'll see that the gate of crisis, gate 36, and the gate of conflict and friction, gate six, which are two of your most prominent gifts, are connected to this open solar plexus. And what that means is that when you are by yourself, you are more emotionally neutral. But when you hook yourself up to other people's energy bodies, you will be very, very open and receptive to what it is that they're feeling. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense for you? Yeah, it does. I think that that has been like, I mean, with all of these, there's always going to be a shadow on a gift side, right? And that's always been kind of a struggle. And I feel like I'm getting better at, at supporting myself through that. But, you know, growing up in a family with a lot of emotions that weren't always expressed, and I ended up kind of being the translator of the family's emotions, like almost to the literal sense, like I, my parents are Korean and they don't speak English very well. My brother was born in the States and then got immediately like sort of put into the education system. And so he didn't speak Korean very well. And I, and even though I was born in the States, I grew up speaking both Korean and English. And so like on the literal sense, I I was the translator in my family. And I look back on that young version of myself and I'm like, Oh, like that was 
a lot of work, honey, you know, and that was a lot to carry on. But then I also see how now it's a vital part of how I relate, not just to my clients, but like to all of my people, you know, and it's, it's been such a gift, but that's been a tricky one to sort of navigate in my life to like, not take on, like one of my mottos is um, I'm a vessel, not a sponge. And that's been sort of like my running theme (laughs) of when I feel like I'm maybe taking on someone's energy too much. I have to remind myself that I'm allowed to also let this go. You are putting words to the deconditioning process in human design, which is any shape that you see in your chart that's white. You take in the energy there, but it's a sponge that you need to consistently wring out. Mm. And the emotions that you likely took on throughout your childhood, you know, it's it's a it's a like a releasing process of continuing to tell yourself, you know, the it's not my responsibility to fix these emotions. I can hold them. I can be a vessel for them. I can translate and be the conduit through which things are moved, but it's not mine alone to solve. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard because I know that I'm not alone in, in saying this, but when you're innately empathetic, like people do ask you to take on that responsibility, right? Like they ask you, to and whether that that's actually said in words or not like i got given a lot of responsibility for my brother's emotions i got given a lot of responsibility for my parents emotions i think because of this open solar plexus energy and like part of that deconditioning process has been to like constantly remind myself oh, the thing that I'm saying right now can bring up something that's difficult in that other person. And it's not my responsibility to fix it for that person. And I feel like I'm, I'm constantly having that conversation with like my inner five-year-old. <laughs> yes. Yes. Going back and saying to little cat, like, this is not yours to hold, even if people are at specifically and explicitly asking you to. Yeah. And in my family, it was explicitly asked, um, and, and told that that was my responsibility. Well, this is a perfect segue to your profile, uh, which is the problem solver. You are a problem solver. You are a fixer. You are a solver. You are constantly seeking out universalizing solutions. And because of that fixer energy that you naturally have, this fifth line heretic energy, people will project onto you and say, we see this quality in you. Here's how we want you to use it. And yours is a lifelong quest to sort of break free from people's expectations of how you're supposed to fix things for them yeah. and really get clear with yourself about which problems you want to be fixing. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's like my relationship with my mother in a nutshell. And actually some of the most healing work that we've been able to do together has been around me saying like, that's actually not mine anymore like my brother is now an adult (laughs) and me saying he's got to deal with his own stuff to my mother has actually been incredibly healing for me and my mother maybe not the most healing for my brother or actually maybe it has been because he doesn't need me to rescue him anymore you know he's his own independent person and our relationship 
you know, my, my brother and I love each other and there's a lot of respect there, but we're not close. Um, and I think that that has sort of been a disappointment, I want to say, for my parents because they tried really hard for us to be really close. And me naming that, like, actually, my brother is not a problem. Like, you're asking me to fix something that's actually not a problem has been really helpful to reframe my relationship with my mother. Thank you so much for sharing that, Kat. Mm. I can just sense that that is going to be really healing to hear for people in terms of their familial dynamics and how complex they can be that children become parentified sometimes and responsibilities become too big and sibling relationships can become complex if the parental relationships are, it's, it's an organism. Yeah, absolutely. And that just felt like a really, really honest perspective that was also very heartfelt and full of love. Thanks for, for uh, mirroring that back. I'm going to share in our last few minutes together, just the last part of your chart that wants to be spoken about, though we could talk about your human design chart for eight more hours, as I'm sure you can see from this thing, <laughs> this, this crazy body graph. But I just want to round us out by speaking. There's the fifth line, the solver within you. And then there's also a second line, which is the hermit, but also the natural genius. So there is a part of you that Again, this is unconscious, so you might not be as aware of this part of you, but I can sense that you're pretty embodied in a lot of your chart, where when you are fully alone, outside of prying eyes, when you don't feel like you're being surveillance, you're in your own creative space, that's when your inner creative world comes alive. You're able to access and tap into gifts that can't really be learned. They are supposed to come very naturally from within you. You are meant to be very naturally gifted and talented in this lifetime. And you hone those gifts when you are alone. Mm -hmm. And they are so intact, these gifts that you have, that they're protected from outside interference. So much so that you sometimes can't even see how talented you are. It's only by emerging from your hermit, hermiting and being in relationship with others that people can call you out to share the gifts that you've been so diligently working on. Mm. There's also an aspect of projection here. So you receive projections for being the problem solver and the fixer, but you also receive projections for your gifts. People will see your gift and say, Kat, you're so incredible at speaking. I want you to speak at XYZ. And you have to kind of separate the initial recognition of a gift that's worth sharing from what it is that people want you to do with it. Yeah. Part of the reason why I had to take like a sabbatical from learning last year, because I feel like I digest and metabolize best when I'm like just sitting by myself in front of, you know, my journal or my watercolors. And while I'm not like directly working on that piece of content that I'm going to put out. Like I am sort of working it out by painting leaves, you know, (laughs) like um, there is an aspect of like, I really, really cherish my alone time. It's actually been one of the struggles with, with being married is I love hanging out with my husband and I miss my alone time. Like I used to travel a lot by myself. And 
it's starting to get a little bit better because he's just now going back to work. And so I, I do get to sort of like reclaim those pieces of myself, but right now we're looking to buy land here in Washington. And I've like warned him. I was like, we're, we're looking at really rural pieces of property. Like I hope that you're prepared for me to basically turn into a hermit that, you know, leaves our land once a month to go buy groceries but otherwise I'm just going to live there and, you know, like hermit my way through life. Um, and that feels actually kind of like an ideal way to, to live. He's, he's not like that at all. He like needs humans and like interactions. And like, I, I need that to a certain extent, but like, if that went away, I would be perfectly fine. Yeah it's a part of being the hermit. The hermit's like, I'm going to disappear on a mountainside in a cave and live my life. But just also know that there's this part of you that will hermit and you'll always be called out to share the Mm -hmm. gifts. It will be seasons of hermiting versus sharing and hermiting versus sharing, but you'll always be called out by people to be like, Kat, what are you up to? We we need you to, (laughs) you know, so it's it's an oscillation between these two halves of yourself. And mm-hmm. I think that's what makes human design so beautiful is that it's full of juxtapositions and parts. So mm-hmm. Kat, I would love to ask you of everything that we talked about today, what's something that you're going to take away with you? I think just because it happens to be a very specific pain point this week, um, like understanding that I kind of need that friction and that conflict and how can I find that in healthy ways instead of just picking on my husband. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that is, is a pretty critical piece that I'm walking away with. Yeah. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's, it's Mm -hmm. just, Finding it's just energy that exists within you, and you're finding new and creative outlets for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, I'm kind of curious how the the human design system overlays with like the five element system that I'm more familiar with, because a lot of the things that you were talking about, I'm like, oh, I already know a lot of this because. I'm a wood type, you know, like a lot of the things that you're sort of like outlining are very specific to like wood element energies. And I think that's maybe why it feels like things are starting to already be plugged into place because I've been working with wood energy, not necessarily human design energy, manifesting generator energy, but like I've been working with like the wood energy and giving my the woody parts of my life, like a place to express and grow. Yes. Um, I think that they're all interconnected. And what's so cool is that there's no, there's many paths up the mountain. Yeah, and there's no, if one would say there's only one path, we would do us a disservice because we'd force all of our planet's population up a singular path, which didn't have the capacity for it. So, yeah. and I find that when people are interested in spiritual modalities, they often fit together very well with just different language. Yeah. So whatever way in you find to understanding yourself and claiming your authenticity, I'm like, hell yes. Yes. Also human design is not, not the answer. It's just a starting point. Yeah. And that's, that's just really a beautiful way 
to say like, we're just working with energies, right? Like whether you call it tarot or you call it the I Ching or you call it Tao or you call it Kabbalah, like, like we're just working with witnessing the cycles and the rhythms of nature and putting it down into this like crude human language to try to understand it. And so I guess whatever resonates, resonates, but for sure human design has, is, is fun. So it's fun. really interesting. That's so fun. Kat, thank you so much for generously opening up your heart and agreeing to be seen and witnessed in this way. I think that it's going to be so impactful for people to not just read about or hear about human design, but really apply it into, into your life. It, it mm-hmm. feels like much more vibrant this way. So thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time. It's been such a delight and I'm so excited to send people to this episode. And, and if this is interesting for folks, please come over to my podcast where I get to uh, interview Nadia. So yeah. Yay. <laughs> so happy for the exchange. Yeah. Thanks so much, Kat. Thank you.